0: I want a better world, right? I want—I think we all do. And I think we want a, a world where friction has been removed and that our lives are not so segmented, but it's a, it's a symphony of simplicity. And that's what I think we're creating with embedded finance for our end users.
1: to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, who believes there is no better time than now to educate and empower financial brands to gain a fresh perspective around future growth opportunities. That's why today's episode is part of the New Starts Now series, brought to you by Nimbus, who offers a complete set of tech, tools, and services, all designed and engineered to empower you and your financial brand to maximize your future growth potential
2: greetings and hello i am james robert lay and welcome to the 146th episode of the banking on digital growth podcast today's episode is part of the new starts now series and i'm excited to welcome sarah howell to the show sarah is the chief alliance officer and head of banking as a service at nimbus bringing together banks credit unions fintechs and brands to create even more value for each other and consumers through collaboration in what she calls a symphony of simplicity. Welcome to the show, Sarah. It is so good to have you on today.
0: Thank you. It's fabulous to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Before we get into this idea of Baz banking as a service, I always like to start things off on a positive note. What is going well for you right now, personally, professionally? It's always your pick. What's one good thing happening?
0: Oh, I've got a daughter that's planning a wedding, so we've got a wedding in our future next year. And we're hoping that COVID will settle down and we'll be able to have a beautiful wedding and uh, just uh, enjoying the new life here in Florida, which my husband and I just recently moved from Florida, uh, from Denver, Colorado, to Florida.
2: Well, congratulations on yeah. both fronts, both <laughs> on the upcoming pending wedding as well as as on the move. Uh, and I think that's you know when you look at that, it's change, right? You know. Mm-hmm new beginnings move it's a new beginning there's new opportunities and I think that's where we're at right now when it comes to financial services when it comes to banking when it comes to just brands for that matter there's a lot of new things that have transpired within the past couple of years really in the last 18 months and sometimes it can feel very overwhelming but then there's also a lot of new opportunities to create, to capture, and, and that's where I wanna focus things on, particularly when it comes to this point of BAS, Banking as a Service, You, you know, it's, as this industry needs another acronym. Let's simplify this for the dear listener. What is Banking as a Service?
0: Well, I think it's an overused word to be very transparent. I think it just helps it is it is the effort to help a non chartered entity to offer financial products. That's the most simplistic way that I can can speak to it. Now there are different business models associated with that. And I can get into that in ad nauseum. But um, I think in the most simplistic form, it's helping a non FI become somebody that can act and look and feel like a chartered entity.
2: And that gets me excited because this idea of brands offering and creating value in new ways Mm -hmm. to their audience, to their customers, to their communities, um, it really is unique. And I'm curious for the financial brands, the banks and credit unions who are listening, how might Bass be either misrepresented or misunderstood historically? Like you said, it's an overused word. It's an overused acronym. Where might there be some confusion that we need to clear up?
0: I liken Baz to my role in in alliances, and um, I liken alliances to parenting. When my kiddos were little, I was kind of their end-all, be-all. And I was the, you know, my husband and I, their world revolved around us, what we said mattered. As they got into a very disruptive season in their life, which was the teenage years, our voice abated a bit and other folks became very prominent in their life. And I could have been I could see them as a threat Mm -hmm. or I could look at the surrounding um, disruptive environment that my teenage girls were in and realize that I needed other voices speaking into their life. And I think very similarly, um, what's occurring in the financial industry now is very disruptive. And it's very much like how my teenagers were. And I at first saw other voices in their life as threats. And I think if we're not careful, the financial industry, traditional players, credit unions, banks, we can see those other voices, aka brands or fintechs as a threat. But when we realize the ecosystem that Everything's being disrupted, whether that's technology, whether that's reg changes, whether that's social show social reforms, everything in our world is so disrupted now. And to have an additional voice speaking into that end user, whether that's a business, whether that's a consumer, and that they're going to, to seek a financial product that maybe I don't own or maybe they can't get from me as a, as a traditional financial institution. Instead of seeing that as a threat, let's see it as an opportunity How do we help create some level of consistency and surround that end user with um, financial products that are going to meet their needs, whether we're doing it directly or we're doing it indirectly through a brand relationship?
2: That's a great analogy. The idea of parenting and kids. Uh, I've talked many times on this podcast, my wife and I, we have 11, 9, 7, 5, oh. and we're starting to see that, that <laughs> yeah. idea of some other voices influence, particularly at the older level. And to your point, I think it's just going to get louder, but I think that also creates some variety and different perspectives. And so looking at it not as a competitive threat but as a growth opportunity i like the idea of alliance i like the idea of collaboration really from the lens of abundance what what might be some of these opportunities here both for we'll call them brands as well as incumbents from looking at banking as a service looking at collaboration looking at alliance where might there be some of the biggest opportunities in your mind
0: Well, I think for a brand, you have a captive audience, you've already got a group of individuals that are committed to your brand, and you've got brand equity that you can leverage on multiple fronts. And maybe that's for your existing product offering, whether you're a SaaS technology provider, or you're a retail, um, you know, merchant that has a great following, leveraging that to provide additional benefit to your, your customers, I think it just deepens relationship. Now, does it mean that you have to pivot from your core business to become a bank or a neobank? No, and and that's why I think there's so much opportunity in creating an ecosystem of experienced financial providers, banks, credit unions that know this industry really well and partnering them with brands and fintechs in a way that allows both to succeed in life, which is ultimately kind of what we want for our kids, right? (laughs) That's our end goal.
2: Well, it's growth. It's growth because, like, we're all getting better together. There's the old thinking that a rising tide raises all ships and when i think about this idea of alliance and collaboration you've made a very unique perspective here brands already have the audience or what i like to say brands already have a built-in community they have built-in affinity i think just a couple of top of my mind like an rei for example <laughs> a chewy.com you know th- a lot of connection to the brand, what that brand stands for. What does that look like? Bringing bringing everyone together so that we all grow together. What does that look like practically applied here? Just to once again, kind of demystify some of this in in the mind of the listener.
0: Yeah, well, I think here at Nimbus, we we look at there's opportunity for education on both fronts. So brands that want to lower the barriers of entry to get into the financial services, there's a, an education path. How do you do it? You know, what do I need to think about? What are, um, you know, how do I, how do I launch a financial product? And then on the other side, there's a lot of banks out there, especially in the sub 10 billion range, because you know, Durban provided opportunity. And I think if you want to look for the first instance of embedded finance or badge, you're going to look in the prepaid realm. And yes, all of all, of, that's why you see a uh, just a multiplicity of sub suburban banks playing in the bad space. Um, but what if you're above 10 billion in asset size and you wanna play in the bad space? Um, what if you're a credit union and you've gotta fill the membership consideration and you wanna play in the bad space? So, you know, we look at it as, as education on both fronts. We wanna lower the barriers of entry for both parties, the brands and the, the financial institutions that wanna play in this space, but we realize there's education on both sides.
2: That's a great point about education, because, you know, I, I, and I wrote about this in banking on digital growth, a a lot of times we're held back by fear. There's the four fears that I write about. And the very first one that we have to address when we're looking at new growth opportunities is the fear of the unknown. And the fear of the unknown, the best way to overcome it is to help the unaware become aware of what the opportunities are to begin with in the first place. And that's where training, that's where education is really core and central. And I think training education going forward there's going to be new opportunities that if we're not aware we might miss the boat and i want to touch on this because on the flip side opportunities let's talk roadblocks what are some of the roadblocks maybe some of the challenges historically Around banking as a service, you've used embedded finance, even embedded fintech. Where might some of the roadblocks be that we need to think about historically that could either a prevent us from moving forward with with confidence, or b hold us back altogether?
0: Yeah, no, great, great question. And this is, I think, we talked a little bit about this um, before, but this is what I saw a lot in in my role, my prior role at Visa, is that I was working with brands and fintechs that were embedding financial products. And they'd go to a bass provider that offered one financial product, and they were really good at embedding card products. Right. Um, but then they, they would come back to me and they'd say, Sarah, now I want to offer deposit accounts and savings accounts. And uh, oh, I want to do bill pay. And so I was introducing them to other players in the ecosystem. And I was like, wait a minute. You're evolving to become a neobank number one so let's just like let's let's call it for what it is and are there cheaper routes to market for you because every time i introduce you to a new tech provider that that's going to be an impediment to your that's going to impact your unit economics it's going to be an impediment to your growth every time i introduce you to a new financial institution because of the way that the regulatory landscape is positioned whatever accounts you launch on that on that um fi are going to belong to that fi so you've got three different FIs supporting your customer base, now I have unknowingly introduced you to too much, right? And now you can't have a 360 view of your customer in a way that you might want to. And so it was those mistakes I made early on that brought me to Nimbus to understand, okay, how do I position brands and FinTechs in a way that's gonna empower their growth strategy?
2: So I want to I want to touch on that. You know, you you take the brand on one side, you take the FI on the other side, you're talking about complexity here. Mm-hmm. What are ways to simplify that complexity to eliminate the overwhelm, so that it's it's something that I would say is a bit more digestible, it's a bit more doable in the mind, I think the mind, you know, we we anything that's complex, we tend to steer away from anything that is simple we tend to be drawn towards what is the the simple path forward if you will for for these opportunities here
0: i kind of i liken it back to the analogy i i've opened up with to parenting you know ultimately the the goal of parenting is to work ourselves out of a job and you know to create an individual or to be a part of of an amazing person's um, growth strategy uh, in life so that they can become a value to the rest of the world and so i look very much at what we're doing here at nimbus in the same light is that i want to i want to be able to partner brands and fintechs and non-fis with really good financial institutions utilizing our technology stack but let them have that direct relationship i do not want to be in the mix i want to i want to empower them for growth and uh, we're providing a tech stack that allows them to do that but i don't want to be an incumbent and manage the bank relationship on their behalf
2: i want to i want to dive deep i want to dive deep on both sides of this equation i want to i want to go down the path of the brand first so i'm at a brand I see some opportunity around this idea of offering financial services to my customer, my community, my audience. What are the things that I need to be aware of that could hold us back from moving forward on that angle over there? How can we address some of those concerns early and often?
0: Have a direct relationship with your financial institution. Most fast providers will manage that relationship on your behalf and Mm. That's that that can become an impediment to growth because like I said earlier, in the eyes of the regulators, that account that's opened up at that financial institution belongs to that financial institution. So if you wanna unwind that program, it gets really messy.
2: So having that direct relationship, that's something that we should be thinking about early and often. So that's on the the brand side. On the flip side as the brand, I'm hearing about this what are the biggest opportunities that we could probably capture early on? Um, maybe it's value creation, maybe it's access to data. What are some of those early opportunities on the brand side when it comes to offering banking as a service or embedded finance here?
0: I think it drives better adoption, deeper deeper loyalty to your brand. And it just depends on what you're trying to create, right? I learned, worked with a lot of... B2B SaaS companies. And so always finding the embedded financial flows, whether you were doing trade credit lending or something, you know, or just doing invoice factoring, um, it drives a deeper engagement, the more financial products you can offer. If you're a retail brand, you always want to look for what's the probability of the flip, meaning what's the probability that my existing customer will start to look to me for financial products. And so I think that the benefit there is definitely loyalty, deeper engagement, but also the data aspect, 100%. I mean, within reason, right? Yeah, of <laughs> um, course.
2: Yeah. Of, of course. And, and, and then on the other side of the, the, the table, we've got the traditional bank credit union who can provide this collaborative path and opportunity from from your point of alliance here. What are some of the roadblocks that we need to think about on that side of of the equation.
0: Yeah. um, So always know that the further you are from the end customer, the greater the risk. Mm. So a lot of banks will start off having a direct relationship with the brand or fintech themselves and get into it and realize there's a lot that I have to do to help teach them banking and teach them about passing due diligence and all the compliance regulatory stuff. And that's a lot of heavy lifting. And so you have to scale a lot in order to do that and be ready for that. But that's where you see most banks when they first pivot into the space, that's the business model that they use. Banks that have been in it for a while realize that that's that's a tough business model to staff for. And you take a lot of bet on a brand that may not ever materialize and so what you see those more those banks that have been doing this for a while will work with program managers where they are kind of letting that program manager have that direct relationship with the fintech puts them further away from the end customer but it's an ops trade off, right? It's a.
2: Yep. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it almost comes back to what you were making on the other side around the brand, knowing that in knowing that financial institution on the other side, getting close, not being separated, but it's really the collaborative opportunity to bring people together on a closer spectrum. Let's, let's stay on the, the, the institution, bank, credit union side. We, we, we talked about roadblocks being a little bit further away opportunities on the other side big opportunities that we could we could get excited about here
0: for the banker credit union side
2: yep exactly uh,
0: oh definitely just a new route to market is kind of how we like to call it at, at nimbus you're, you're going to have a direct route to market which could be your own individual financial brand or you can set up a digital brand or you can really support another brand through kind of an indirect sales channel that's really how i would look at it from a business perspective
1: Today's episode of Banking on Digital Growth is brought to you by Nimbus, who believes in creating even better financial services for all. Better access, better experiences, better value, all while supporting the entire customer journey. And how do they do this? Offering end-to-end niche banking solutions that you can buy or build, providing accountability beyond the technology, and prioritizing impactful, intentional innovation instead of chasing features. Ready to transform what is and create what's next? Learn more at Nimbus.com.
2: And I see that, like, coming back to this idea of, you know a sub 10 billion dollar institution and they're looking for growth opportunities here maybe it's beyond the traditional community that they're in locally what does that path look like does like because now you're really opening up a whole new world of thinking and a whole new world of opportunity that might be overwhelming it might be too much because it's like i don't even know where to begin with this What does that look like? I mean, this has been a great conversation so far. Let's get real practical going forward. I'm a community institution. I see this opportunity. I'm excited. How do I even start? Like, Just my thinking with this here so it's not so overwhelming.
0: Yeah, no, well, I think the first thing you do is is you continue to listen to, you know, great podcasts, like banking on digital growth and others that are speaking about this space, because the more there's so much knowledge out there that you could just garner just simply by listening to the, um, you know, great, great um, podcasts, reading great content. Um, there's newsletters that I subscribe to. The one thing I would say is that this space moves so fast and so much is happening and there's so much VC money being poured into it all the time that you really have to say, what are my guardrails mm. um, as a financial institution and narrow your focus on where your risk appetite lies? Does your risk appetite only lie with you know, card products, which are easy for the interchange revenue. Do you want to get into a little bit more where you can make a little bit more money in the lending side? Because as FinTech and and brand embedded finance has matured, it starts off in card and then it goes to lending. And now I'm seeing a much greater demand for for financial institutions that are willing to play in the lending space.
2: So if if I'm a bank or a credit union, the next best steps, number one, continuous education, continuous learning. I would say maybe two, keeping an open mind to what new possible paths to growth could look like to begin with as well. Mm-hmm. But then also getting really clear about what that level of risk looks like those I think your guardrails, um, mm-hmm. I would say bumpers on a bowling alley uh, <laughs> to, to keep us to keep us down down the, the middle of the lane. And so we don't get in the gutter. You mentioned card product, that can graduate into maybe lending. You're seeing a lot of areas there. Anything else on on just a you know the next best steps for a bank or a credit union, a, a, an institution, if you will, to to continue to move forward with courage, with confidence.
0: I would say get really close with your risk and compliance person, um, and help make sure that they are very well educated too. That you are not just educating yourself, but you're educating them because it is ultimately their job to re- protect your charter, and, and you want them you want them to do their job well. And there are certain there are certain flows, I'll say financial flows that are going to put Charter at risk more than others. So know where where you are with that. It's going to be very similar to what you would allow or not allow for your own direct customers. But gauge that internal appetite and bring the rest of the organization along with you in this journey. Super important.
2: Great point on the risk side of things, compliance, getting close with them internally, but educating them as well, because once again, what they don't know could be that factor of fear that's a prevention from moving forward with courage with confidence so that's that training and education we're hearing this pattern now but then i think you bring up another interesting point bringing the entire organization along because could could that possibly create some factions internally and we don't want to see that we want collaboration to begin with internally too can you speak to this point here
0: oh yeah i can speak firsthand because i would have fintechs and i would have um, bank sponsors that did only one vertical? They only sponsored one one aspect, and I was trying to bring them new business, but they were like, "Nope, that's in a separate area of the organization." And unfortunately, the bigger the organization, the harder the collaboration. So, try and go in through maybe your innovation lab if they're working cross functionally. Do some. A lot of times, I'll see you know, buzz strategies um, evolving from those areas. But um, they couldn't scale because you had to create a compelling value proposition for the other s- business silos at the Correct. bank. So if you're a smaller bank, it's a lot easier. And then if you're a larger bank,